Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. You know, this is our first Sunday experience that we have already mentioned. By the way, if you don't know me, my name's Nate, and I'm the lead pastor here. My wife is in with the kids this morning, um, and our kids always has lots of fun. But also they're, they're, they're learning about how to speak life this morning. So really excited uh, to see how our kids take on, uh, take that little challenge on for themselves for this year. Uh, but this year, this whole year, as a church, uh, you might have already seen or heard, but we have hashtag 2017 Stronger 17. Anyone heard of Stronger 17 yet? It's kind of been put on social media and, and places. It's my current Facebook cover photo. You can steal it and put it on yours if it resounds with you. Uh, and, and the reason why we've called it Stronger 17 is because we believe that this year is a, uh, it's going to be a great year. It's going to be an exciting year. It's going to be expansion. There's going to be exciting things that happen. And so we, we, we wanted to give it a hashtag so that we can kind of tie the year together. Stronger 17. But as I was thinking about it, I, I think the truth is that no one goes into a new year and goes, worst year ever. Who wants sucky 17 to be their hashtag? Anyone wants crappy 17? Is is up for grabs? No one's taken it yet. No one wants that. Everyone goes in a new year thinking hope, thinking excitement, thinking I'm going to succeed. I'm going to see breakthrough this year. Um, uh, But the truth as well is that I've noticed this trend where people seem to start the year enthusiastic, excited and happy, but they kind of finish the year on a really kind of like, if I can get there, that's an achievement in itself. You know what I mean? And uh, you can see a few pictures that I pulled up from the net. If Yeah, you see, so there's a whole bunch of people that have done this whole, me at the beginning of 2016, fresh face, you know, I'm so excited for the year. And at the end of the year, you're needing to crawl into a bear carcass just to survive. Uh, if Half of you have not seen the movie, which is a good thing. I've not seen it too. Um, and then there's a, this is another one. Oh, no, no, no more. No more this year. <laughs> the, the next one was actually my favorite because the start was like a potato. Uh, me at the start was like a potato. At the end of the year, it was just a mashed potato face. It's going to come back on. You want to see this? No, it's not happening. It's not happening. That's okay. But you get what I mean. You saw one of those photos. You know, it's, it's, you start the year strong. You start the year excited. By the end of the year, you're kind of just crawling to the finish line. And, and the truth is, I don't believe that that has to be the way. I don't believe... There we go. See, we had a start of 2016. At the end of 2016, it like smash. It hit me hard. Um, and, and, and I don't believe that that has to be the way. I don't believe that your year has to be bad. In fact, I believe, I'm going to go as far as to say that I believe that the fulfillment of what God has placed on your life is, is predicated upon how you respond to difficult situations. Because if you, if you need a spoiler, if, if you haven't recognized this or realized this yet, there are going to be difficult things that happen to you this year. I'm not going to be one of those pastors that this year is going to be smooth sailing. You are going to be rolling through a bed of roses. None of that kind of stuff. You are going to have a difficult year. Straight out. No one was cheering for that. Uh, I thought there would be a better response to a statement like that. But, you know, we are going to face difficult situations. 
But how we face those situations and how we respond to those situations is so important because it, it relates to whether we allow God to do what He's wanting to do in us and through us. And so that's the whole point of this series. This series that we are doing over the month of January is called Take 5. And Take 5 is about us learning habits that, that provide an environment, a growth environment for our lives. Because as much as difficult things will come into our lives. There are habits that will help us face those difficulties and rise above it and stick it out and push through so that at the end of the year, you're not some worn out human being or, or just a shell of a human being that's just rolling across the finish line. But you will be able to look back and go, this was a great year. This is a year that God has done amazing things in my life. And I believe that God's doing amazing things all the time. All the time, it's just whether we recognize it or not. So, where was I? So, today I want to talk about a, a habit that I think is really important. And, it, and it's more of a mindset, but, uh, but we'll develop it into a, a really practical challenge that as, us as a church will be doing together if you accept the challenge. But, but I just want to set up by saying that as much as people kind of go through the year and then at the end of the year they're putting up uh, pictures of, of like failure and stuff like that, or, or just basically surviving... It's really interesting because people also don't like people that are having a great time. It's really quite funny. I had a friend who, who, who wanted to post on Facebook about how celebrating 2016 and, and at the start of a Facebook post, it was an apology for having a good year. And you know what I mean? Our culture is really strange because it almost allows us to be comfortable in being negative, but it doesn't really celebrate other stuff. But at the same time, there's another mindset that goes along with this that I think is extremely damaging. And I came across this mindset as I was reading an article. And this article uh, was called uh, 10 Things That You Need to Know About the Right to Die Debate. Now, there's a massive debate. Uh, I'm not going to do it any justice by commenting on it, but I was reading it. I just wanted to know more about it. And I came across this line that really got me thinking. And I'm reading it straight out of the article, and it says this, If I am suffering, then I am not living. If I am suffering, then I am not living. Some people were using this as a reason for uh, the right to die debate. They were saying, if I am suffering, then I am not living. And when you first look at that, that actually kind of resounds in you, doesn't it? It's like, if, if I've actually gone through pain, if I feel like I am being limited by something, if there is a barrier in my way, then I am being stopped from entering the life that I want. And, 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 and I'm actually being stopped from living. And a whole bunch of people live according to that mindset. They live according to this mindset that if I am not maybe comfortable, if I'm not happy, if I am not enjoying, then I don't actually have life right now. And, and it makes sense. None of us like living in a ditch. None of us like living in a situation where everything seems to weigh heavily on us. No one wants to go through the next year and say, I love pain. But all of us want to live. All of us want to have this thing called life. But what is life? What are we actually looking at? And I believe that if you have this mindset that if I am suffering, then I am not living, then you're actually going to limit yourself and limit the potential of your life. 
And, 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 and while I was thinking about it, I, I kind of just thought about this. If we can easily go to someone in this room and go, if I'm suffering, I'm not living. But imagine that you went to um, a third world nation. Imagine that you went to a, a, a refugee village. Imagine that you saw a few kids uh, running because the lunch bell had just gone and they were given a tiny scoop of rice each. Imagine yourself going up to them and saying, I see your suffering. And your suffering means that you have no life right now. That everything that you're experiencing is not life. Your life is not worth living. Somehow it's okay for us in our first world nation to go to someone and say, if I'm suffering, I'm not living. But then it's a whole different thing when you go into a place where suffering kind of is a norm, and then you tell them that you don't have life. But what I've found is that when I've gone to such places, the smile on the faces of those children seems to have a deeper contentment and a deeper joy than many people in our society never seems to find. You have access to water. You have access to shelter. You have access to shopping centers. You have access to deep fried food all the time, anytime that you want. But there seems to be a joy in the faces of the little ones that seem to find that suffering is not stopping their living. And so this morning, I want us to explore and, and really dig past this understanding that if this idea that if I'm suffering, then I'm not living, because I believe that that mindset has so pervaded our culture and our society that is actually destroying our society from inside out. In September last year, that is not too long ago, four months ago, there came a report in the newspaper that said every three hours on average, there was one Australian taking his life or her life. Every three hours. By the end of today, eight people in our first world nation would have decided that life is not worth living and would have taken their own life. Since the time that you woke up till now, someone has decided that they do not have a good life or maybe that they do not have a life and they've decided to check out. I'm not here to tell you uh, how to deal with suicide. It's, it's a much bigger issue, but it, it points to the fact that there's something broken in our society. It points to the fact that the way that we see life is actually deathly, is actually taking away our hope. We do not know how to live and face difficult situations. We do not know how to find resilience when difficult things come our way. So many people check out. As a youth pastor, one of the most heartbreaking stories that I remember, I mentioned this story many times, but at the end of a youth night, one of our youth leaders called, called me up and said, Nate, I've got a girl uh, that has just called me up and said that they want to commit suicide. And the reason for her thinking of suicide was because she did not get the latest hairdryer that she wanted from her dad. That's the kind of difficulties that the next generation does not know how to face. Because they think that if I'm suffering, then I'm not living. But that doesn't have to be the way. And I believe that there is something that we need to change in the mindset of people and that we need to change in this church, in this room. We need to start to see life differently. And I believe that the Bible has got, uh, uh, has got something very powerful and it's extremely underrated that we need to grab a hold of. Do you guys want to know what this tool is? 
Now, I, I've done a massive setup for this tool because when I mention it, you're going to go, what? All right? This tool's called Gratitude. Mm, I know Gratitude. And I, I believe some of you are thinking your mind right now. Pastor, you got me into church on the, uh, and, and now you're telling me that all I need to do to live a happy life is to go around saying thank you to people. And uh, the answer is, no, that's not quite it. And I'm not just saying this from a Bible perspective because, well, it's based on the Bible, but even more, on, oh, I shouldn't say that because the Bible should be enough, but um, science and psychology have actually pulled out gratitude and they've researched gratitude to the point where gratitude is now probably unanimously across all healthcare professionals. It is seen as so integral to a person's healthy well-being. And, and I did research for you guys because I love you and I want you to take this and to get this. It, uh, let me just set up by saying in psychological terms, uh, gratitude is not just saying thank you. Gratitude is an acknowledgement that we have received something of value. Gratitude is an acknowledgement, an understanding, a perception that I have received something of value. Is an understanding, is a recognition that something of value has been placed in my life. And psychology has gone on to find that gratitude increases. You want all of these things. Let me tell you, you definitely want it. Gratitude increases energy, alertness, enthusiasm, passion, determination, and optimism. It also lessens stress and makes you healthier. Now, who wants gratitude? I can see that many of you actually need it, but you do not have the energy, alertness, enthusiasm, passion, determination, optimism to, to give me a little shout out. But that's okay. By the end of today, by the end of this month, I believe you're going to get it. Recently, Beck and I uh, went to a talk from a Christian psychologist who has been working with Syrian refugees in the Middle East. And his uh, focus wasn't so much on the, uh, uh, the trauma part of helping uh, the refugees, but he was actually focusing now on positive psychology. There's been this movement for positive psychology uh, that moves people not just from a place of suffering to a neutral point of, uh, in their life, but actually taking them further so that they're actually strong and healthy. Imagine working with refugees and saying that you don't just have to uh, get past your hairs, but there's actually stuff that you can do to get past it. It's pretty cool. And, and, and so that's what pos uh, positive psychology is about. And, and this psychologist was, was teaching us what he, was, what he had discovered and how he was helping refugees get to a healthy, positive place in their lives. And as a part of it, he was pulling out all this research and and he was talking about uh, what non-Christians have actually found, and he linked it to the Bible. It was really cool. But one of the things that differentiated refugees that stayed a victim for the rest of their lives and refugees who actually went on to succeed and to become effective members of society was gratitude. Can you imagine that the same people that went through the same circumstances that some people could still go on and lead healthy, successful lives. None of us have ever had a gun pointed to our head, or few of us would. I do not know your experience. I do not know you. I hope that you haven't had a gun pointed to your head, but I definitely haven't. And my struggles and my suffering pales in comparison to what is going on in the Middle East right now. And if some of those people can go on to lead healthy, successful lives, so can I. 
and so can you. And a big part of that journey is actually learning gratitude. So let's dive into what the Bible says about gratitude. For me, I, I went through a really dark season probably a good eight, nine years ago now. And in this dark season, it's probably the closest I ever got to being depressed. I'm, I've never been depressed, and I've never, or never been diagnosed anyway. And I've never been in a place where my life has been so, um, like, dark. But that was probably as dark as it got, and it was pretty bad. It probably lasted for a good three months, and, and it was a difficult season for me. And, and as part of that difficult season, uh, I started to really find out what God was doing to me, that's how it felt. And, and I came across this psalm, and it's Psalm 103, 1 to 5. It's now one of my favorite psalms, Ben. I'm just going to read it out to you, and it says this. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, that was a psalm I had read many times in my life. And in happy times, this psalm is a, is a psalm that you go, bless the Lord, all my soul, forget not all his benefits. But in that season, this psalm was the most annoying psalm. It was pushing something in me. And I, didn't, I was like, God, if that's you, then I don't know who I'm talking to. If you're a God who does all that good stuff, then the God that I'm kind of in relationship with right now is, is not very nice. He, he, he sounds completely different. So don't mind me, God, while I check out from you and try to find a good God who gives me whatever I want. Have you ever been in that situation before where that's kind of like your, your mindset? But I, 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 in that season, I, I was feeling a God saying, no, you need to repeat that again. You need to read that again. And so, so I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. So I was like, bless the Lord all my soul. All that is in, within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord all my soul and forget not all his benefits. And I was like, I can't actually think of any benefit right now. This dark season is kind of like making everything seem dark. And there was nothing really worth praising God for. And, and, and so I kind of had to stop and, and forget not all his benefits and, and kind of push myself to really take in the next line, who forgives all my iniquity and heals all my diseases. And then it goes on to say, and he redeems my life from the pit. And I was like, then why am I still in this pit? Why am I in this dark, depressive place? Why is this cloud still over me? Why am I still experiencing all this suffering and negativity? So I had to say that line again. Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. And then here comes the kicker. Who satisfies me with good. Who satisfies me with good. See, there's something about negative circumstances that, that really sticks to us as human beings. And psychologically speaking, it completely makes sense. See, what happens is that in our lives, so much is happening all the time that we have to learn how to filter through what we want to process and what we're not processing. 
you can see this uh, when you have a, a, a newborn baby, a young child, there's something called overstimulation. For some other people in this room, you can still see that they get overstimulated. <laughs> they haven't learned filters yet. But what happens is that these filters help us to know what we need to focus on. And what often happens is that the filters take in threats and fears. Why? Because the filters help you survive. So it makes sense that the filters don't block out the negative stuff because then, oh, car, pfft, you know, kind of bad. It's like, oh, fear, threat, warning, car, stop, do something. So our mind naturally gravitates to the things that threaten and causes fear. Now, the thing about us in the first world nation is that not many things actually threaten our physical life. But a lot threatens our emotional life, our soul. And so our mind uh, has, has developed filters to take in these threats. And if you are not careful and you go too far in, in, in thinking about these negative things and these threats, what happens is that you develop either a flight or a fight response to those uh, threats or to those fears. So if you uh, take on a fight response, you start to pull out barriers in your life. You start to push people away because you do not know who you can trust. You start to cut people off your life because you do not know when the next hurt is going to come in. You start to, to be defensive whenever anyone comes too close. So you push them away. That is your fight response. It's a natural response but it's not necessarily a healthy response. The other way that people deal with this is that they take on a flight response. And I heard this story the other day, which was extremely disturbing to me as a person who loves psychology. There was a person who, whenever she notices any conflict going on between any person, she could be out for dinner with a couple of friends, and they have a disagreement and they start having a conflict, that person would literally physically remove herself from that dinner and go home. And then they would try to call her up and she wouldn't respond until a couple of hours later and they would call up and she, and she would completely believe uh, and, and not talk about what happened. It's like that didn't happen. She would talk about everything else that was happening. That's a, a pretty uh, crazy flight response. But that's how many of us are dealing with our difficult situations in our lives. We're either fighting everyone away or we're running away from everything. We're not actually dealing with the difficult things. And the problem with that is that we first need to understand that when those negative filters are on and we are taking these things in, what happens in our mind is that the more you focus on something, the bigger it becomes. Uh, another psychological study, you're getting like a Psych 101 lesson today. You guys should be paying me for this. Is this good? Um, there's another research that, that went, went amongst a, a whole bunch of young people and, and studying depression. And what they actually found is that there was a strong link between co-rumination and depression. Co-rumination is basically this, a couple of people getting together and then they just keep talking about the negative things, almost to the point where they're meditating on the negative stuff that is happening in their lives. The more these young people focused on the negative things, the closer they got to depression. 
The way our mind works is this. The more you focus on something, the more it becomes bigger the more it becomes insurmountable, the more it becomes a barrier, the more it blocks you off from being able to see anything else. That is what happens subconsciously. It's happening to many of us. It happened to you this week. For some of you, you're not in a, in a difficult place, that difficult a place, and suddenly you realize, why am I making that so big? I just didn't get a hairdryer. I do not need to commit suicide. You know, sometimes you need, it's like, what's going on? But for some people, they have developed such entrenched habits of seeing the negative in their lives that they don't see any way out. But there is a way out. And that way out is gratitude. See, when God was getting me to repeat those verses again and again and again, I started to take the focus off the bad stuff that was happening in my life. And I started to see that there was actually good stuff that was happening in my life. In effect, gratitude resets your mind. Gratitude resets your mind. It stops you from focusing on negative issues taken out of the context of your whole life and it actually helps you to see that yes those things are happening and let me tell you something your mind will always remind you that those things are still happening you do not need help to remember that bad stuff is happening in your life but what we need to be reminded of is that the bad stuff is not all that is happening to my life. That there is still stuff that is happening. And so I got to that place where I started to, uh, to, 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 to see from Psalm 103 that God is actually good and He is doing good in me and that He's doing good through me. He actually still has forgiven all of my sin. He actually has given me health. He actually redeems my life out of the pit. He wanted to have this conversation with me to redeem me out of that pit and that was what was going on and he satisfies me with good he doesn't always satisfy me what I want but he satisfies me with good and I need to see that even right now where I'm at even though it's a difficult circumstance even though I'm not getting what I want but good is still in my life and that's what we as Christians need to do. I have seen too many Christians walk away from God because of an isolated incident where they did not get what they want. They forget all the good that God has done for them and they focus in on that threat. Well, God, if you were really that good, then you would have done something about that. But maybe God was saying, you need to go through that because I'm trying to grow something in you. If, if our culture learns how to deal with difficult circumstances, then we will become stronger as a, a society, as a, as a church. We want to have a stronger 17. We need to learn how to be stronger in our mind and in our emotions. We need to get past the fact that difficult things will happen and to see that God is still allowing good to happen despite the fact that I don't see it right now. So sometimes I need a reset button to be pushed in my life. I need to go, you know what? That's happening, but I don't need to focus on that right now. Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, 
think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Some of you are searching for peace by trying to find solutions to the negative stuff happening in your life. But peace comes when we place our mind on what is true, on what is honorable, what is excellent, what is worthy of praise. Basically, gratitude. You know why most weeks when you come after a Sunday experience, you go out with your head a little bit higher and you feel a little bit bigger about yourself? It's because the reset button has been pushed. Some of you are skipping out on reset moments in your life. You rather dwell in the negative and the things that are not going right. Well, let me tell you, God is doing good. If you will see it, it will change your perspective. So I did mention that we are going to have a challenge as a church this month. Um, we've, we've, I've created these, it's supposed to be a 21-day gratitude challenge, but I've created one week because I was a bit lazy and I thought that you could create another two weeks journals for yourself. <laughs> um, it's the first week of the new year, guys. But basically, what I would like us to do, if you accept this challenge, on the way out, you can grab one of these, the host teams will be having it. And you can just take one of them. I've printed off 50, which should be plenty for everyone. This can just be a template. You can have a, a, a book, a journal if you prefer. You can do it online. But basically what you do is that for 21 days, don't skip any day. At the end of every day, you think of three good things that has happened to you in that day. Three things that you can be thankful for. They can be as um, simple as someone bought me a coffee. They can be... Deeper than that, if you wish, they could simply be, if there was nothing much that was going on in your day, I got to see the sunset. They can be as shallow or as deep as you are willing to go. But what research is showing is that in 21 to 45 days, it really pushes that reset button so hard in your life that there's some permanent change. Now, some of you have gone through life with so much negativity that you might want to push yourself beyond the 21 days that we have set. The 21 days is a bare minimum. But for some of you, you're the happiest people I've ever known. You probably need to teach me about gratitude, which is completely fine. But why don't we start the year resetting ourselves? Why don't we start the year taking our perspective off all the things that are gone wrong and to remember that God is still good, that God is still in control, that He still desires the best life for you. That, that if you are suffering, is a sign that you are living. It's a sign that God is still not done with you yet. That, that there's something bigger still coming in your life. I love stories of people that in the midst of suffering, they can be hope for someone else. How amazing is that? You know, uh, this is something Beck and I were talking about. It's funny because our heroes, the, the people that we actually talk about as heroes, are the ones that went through suffering. You never have a hero who has never gone through suffering. But yet all of us want to become heroes without suffering. You know what you are? You're deluded idiots. That's what's going on in our life. We actually think, I'm going to get rid of suffering and I'm still going to be a hero. No, 
doesn't work. You're probably the villain. I'm sorry, that needed to be said. That was me talking to myself. The Holy Spirit told me that I needed that. But why don't we recognize that God is doing something bigger? This is not some positive talk thing. This is us recognizing that our perspective on life sometimes is very narrow and very small. It's us remembering that life doesn't always fit in neat little boxes. It's understanding that God has a plan and a purpose that goes beyond anything that I could hope or imagine of. But for me to be able to get into that space, I need to take on the principles that God has given to us in the Word of God and to remember that even though things come our way that we don't like, He's still good. You know, the dark season of my life accelerated my growth. I do not know any other time in my life that I grew that much, even up to this day. Leading this church has been easy compared to what I had to go through emotionally because God needed to do something in me, and God is doing something in you. He's doing something that produces something beautiful. I love there's a line in the Bible somewhere, but it says that God creates beauty from ashes. Beauty from ashes. There's some people here that you're holding on to your ashes. But you need to see that God's doing something so much more. See, I'm not here telling you that bad things won't happen. I already started off telling you that this is going to be the most difficult year for you. But it doesn't have to be the worst year. It can be the strongest year that you've ever had. It could be the most successful year that you've ever had. As long as you continue to hold yourself in God's hands and to see you know, if God didn't reset my mind in those dark seasons, I probably would have walked away from Him. I, I, I didn't want to recognize how good He was to me. And that's where many of us stay. We continue doing the church thing maybe, trying to make some sense out of it. But inside there's still that deep darkness because you're failing to see the goodness of God in your life. Let's get the band up this morning. In a moment, we are going to have a worship moment, if you will. I'm going to get the band to just lead us. I'm trying to finish off a little bit early today so that we can actually together practice resetting our minds. We can actually have a moment just to release gratitude and to see it do something in our lives. But before we do that, I just want to put an invitation out to people. Because you won't recognize that God is good unless you recognize your need for God. And what the Bible teaches us is this, that we are all sinners, that sin has somehow crept into our lives, whether by our actions or by the things that we have avoided, or simply, as some people would say, just having a sin nature. We are born into this world that is corrupted, and we've taken this on. And the thing about sin is that sin separates us from God. It pushes God away from us. It tells God, God, you know what? I don't want to do things your way. I don't want to have you in my life. But what happens is that God begins to reach out to us, each and every single one of us. Maybe you being here this morning was because God was orchestrating events for you to be here. 
so that He could remind you, let you know that He loves you deeply and that He desires to be in relationship with you. And so what God did, knowing that sin was separating us and Him, was that He sent Jesus to die on the cross to be the payment for the penalty of our sins so that we could be back in relationship with Him. If you want to have a stronger 17, if you want to have a life of fulfillment, if you want to have a life of purpose, if you want to have a life that overcomes difficulties, then you need God. And this morning, I would like to introduce you to God. And, and basically, the Bible keeps it really simple. It just says, if anyone confesses with their lips and believes in their heart, in their mind, that Jesus is Savior and Lord, that day salvation is yours. You want to find a God who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life out of the pit, who satisfies you with good, invite Him into your life. So I'm going to count to three this morning. And at the count of three, I'd like you to put your hand up just so that we know who we're praying for and so that we can lead you in a prayer inviting Jesus into your life. So if we can get everyone just to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to count to three now. One, two, three. Is there anyone here that would like to invite Jesus to be their Lord and Savior? Fantastic. Awesome. Cool. Can we just say this prayer together? Dear Father, I know I've sinned and I know that I need you. So I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.